Thank you for tuning in to the Sports Ethos Nets podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory. As always, I am once again joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony Dittmar. How's it going, Anthony? It's good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. And Joe Farrell. How you doing, Joe? Doing pretty good. We actually got some Nets news this week, so that's a, that's a bonus. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about... LeBron to Brooklyn, uh, Kyrie Irving <laughs> for a John Wall swap, um, Kevin Durant being a keyboard warrior on Twitter, which I love, by the way. I think he's hilarious. Um, Times are hard. That's the I know. Gist. I'm excited. I'm sure you guys are as well. To welcome back Steven from the Birds Rights podcast to actually talk about some Nets free agency, um, the guys that are leaving, guys that could sign that are out there. Uh, how you doing, Stephen? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, I, before we go into that stuff, I just got to ask, if I remember correctly, you're a Sixers fan, right? Yes, I am. What are your thoughts on James Harden and the massive payday he could be about to get? So here's my thing. <clears throat> As a front office guy, I, you know, that's kind of my job to evaluate every contract. Because in the NBA, a player's, you know, kind of, they all what the contract is, and that's how the perceived value is. Harden, I actually, I don't believe they're going to give him like this full five-year, $250 million deal. There, there's, just, there's just no conceivable way Dowell Moy can justify doing that. So what I'm hoping is he opts out of his player option, because let's say he opts out of his player option and we just don't want to resign him. We can't replace him. So I'd rather have James Harden than nothing. So with that said, I- I'm hoping he opts out of his player option. You know, we sign him for three years, $110 million, and, you know, we'll go from there. So, you know, it's not anything atrocious where you're paying him $50-plus million a year. But definitely, you know, this, this trade definitely seems like a lose-lose trade for both parties so far in, you know, the half season that it's come to fruition. Um, yeah, isn't his player isn't his player option like forty seven million? Yes. So I think there's probably like zero chance if realistically he's going to decline it if he would only be able to get like a three year one ten at that rate. I think he would probably rather take the uh, player option for like forty seven million and have like another prove it year at that point, just to see if he could raise his value again if it's that low. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Steven. Yeah, Joe. I think you uh, I think you bring up a good point. Um I think he has no choice but to do that player option. I mean, I think we've all said it. I'm just glad that the Nets don't have to worry about it, even if it was kind of a lose-lose this year, this half season. I'd much rather have a 25-year-old Ben Simmons. Um, but anyways. Anthony, before we dive into free agency, you want to uh, kind of catch everyone up on the Nets news that we've seen in this last week? Yeah, I'll take it from here. Um, so basically, the Nets hired a new assistant coach. It's Igor. I'm gonna, I might botch his last name. Kokoskov. I might have said that wrong. As assistant coach, per Mark Stein, he coached uh, Nash in Phoenix. He coached Dragic in the EuroLeague in Slovenia. I'm pretty sure he coached Luka Doncic in Slovenia, too, and obviously with the Mavericks. Um, you saw a lot of Nets assistants leave this offseason, so the Nets are trying to replenish some of those guys that they lost, change some scenery type of type of thing. I think it's a, I guess it's a good signing. I think you need some fresh faces here compared to last year. So yeah, the Nets got another assistant coach. I'm gonna be shocked. Yeah, I just want to say one thing about that. Him, um, 
I think he's more of an X's and O's guy, which the Nets desperately need and Steve Nash desperately needs. So I think it was a good signing. Um, he's had good reviews wherever he's been. Obviously, Anthony just said he's been around a lot of high-level basketball. And from what I've read about him, he's more of an X's and O's guy, like I said before. So I think it was a good signing. Yeah. Well, we know Jason, we know Jason Kidd isn't the X's and O's guy over there. So somebody's, <laughs> so somebody's got to be doing it. So who knows? Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, I think he'd be a good addition. He's coached a lot of very talented players, and obviously we have a lot of very talented players here. It's just more about uh, drawing up the plays for those guys and how we can utilize them properly, and it's not just ISO ball every single time. So hopefully he can help with that. Yeah, I feel like that's had too many guys that were there just for off-name value rather than X to know. So it was nice to do something like that. Um, the next piece of Nets news, um, there was rumors out there that Mike James is potentially interested in Nets reunion. Um, I said this on Twitter. I personally like I wouldn't be like against it. Like, I'm like, oh my god, don't do that. But I think he's the bottom of the Nets priority list. I think they need to get wings with size first, get themselves a solid five, then next, and then they can worry about filling out some fringe roster spots. Like I said, Mike James can score the ball. Sometimes he's inefficient, sometimes he can score at will. I just don't think it's really like a Nets like priority with Seth Curry, Patty Mills, hopefully Kyrie Irving. I just don't think it's like that big of a deal as people put it out to be. Yeah, man, I want to say one thing about it. So that was reported by um, Mets Daily. They said an insider, an NBA insider told them. Um, someone actually on Twitter, uh, Scalpa0, I don't know who that is, tweeted at Mike James saying, is this a rumor or is there truth? Um, Mike James' response was, I don't know how to even take this rumor. Would I like to play alongside my friend Kevin? Yes, but I'd also like to play alongside my 10 other of my close friends. Some play in the NBA, Europe, and some don't even play professionally. So Mike James actually kind of addressed the rumor on Twitter. Um, I thought it was an interesting response. Well, let's let's be real. He's not going to decline an offer from Brooklyn. Like <laughs> If the Nets want him, he's going to be a Net for the minimum. And it'll be like late in the offseason when we are probably scampering for another guard. So uh, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, he's definitely – a lot of the guys seem to like him, especially the most important one, Kevin Durant. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad about it whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a story right now. Not much to go on. So maybe, like you said, like a mid-July signing. Nothing crazy, though. Um, but, yeah, I think we talked about – we talked about the deferring the pick last week, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so that's already already set in stone. The Nets are picking next year in 2023. Um, using Philadelphia's pick, they're banking on obviously a better talent pool and maybe Philadelphia being worse, either losing a James Harden or even a worse version of him. So see if the, that decision banks well for the Nets. Think just the idea of having an asset for another year is what the really the main idea of this was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen, but down with Philly. Get us in that lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually there's another small caveat that. I don't think a lot of people are talking about with the Nets taking on that pick and that it's that it really strapped the Sixers. If the Nets took the pick for this year, the Sixers could have traded the 2023 first after the draft. So that could be at the deadline. That could be whenever. Now the Sixers can't trade any future picks at all because the Stapian rule where you can't trade back-to-back picks. They owe the 25. They they owe the 23 to Brooklyn. The 25 to OKC for taking on Al Horford and the 27 to Brooklyn as well from the Harden deal. So Sixers, asset dry now. They had Matisse Thibault to trade, and that's about it. 
So right, that's actually pretty funny. That's a good move. So, so the Nets strategically just decided to screw the Sixers. I'm all for it. I honestly didn't even know that. Uh, that's a great yeah. point. Though. Like you said, I think would probably not be noticed by many people, if anyone. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty hilarious. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm all for that one. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Anything else, Anthony? Any other news? I think that's pretty much it, right? Towards the Nets news for now, yeah. All right. So as far as free agency – um, let's start with the Nets players that were on the team last year that are entering free agency. Um, we'll kind of get Steven's take on like the money and uh, cap wise on it. Um, let's start with Patty Mills and his player option. This is actually one I really can't gauge. Um, for those of you who listen to Bird Rights, I'm actually releasing later this week the pod one of my mock off season where I basically predict every free agent signing, every trade, I incorporate my mock draft. And I say that just one, because it's a fun exercise to do where you predict every man's 15-man roster going into next year. But Patty Mills was one of the few guys I'm like, I really don't know one way or another if he's going to opt in or not. I imagine he opts in just because there's not a whole bunch of cash space to go around for any competing teams. Sure, he could fit into a taxpayer mid-level or um, the full mid-level, which I don't think anyone will give him a full mid-level. So I, I personally think I lean on the side of him opting in. But again, that's probably one of the tougher ones to gauge on the markets, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit more difficult to gauge because Patty had such a good first half of the season. <clears throat> and then he just really fell off a cliff in the second half. So it's just like, if he continued the, his production from the first half of the season, obviously with no Kyrie Irving there and everything had a much larger role, but like Patty played more minutes, I believe in the first half of this season than he did in any like full season in his entire career. So it's like, he, the guy, the guy was tired. So, I mean, it's definitely a hard one to gauge. And I believe Patty is our mid-level, right? I think he is. The taxpayer mid-level. Right? Yeah. 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 Is that six point one eight next year? Yeah. Do you think he get more than that, or that's like the most he's going to say? I mean, the taxpayer mid level, I believe, is at about six point one. So he's right there. So I mean, maybe if a team wants to give him maybe a million dollars more, maybe that he gets to the seven million mark. But I think it's a very appropriate range for him, which is why I can't really gauge one way or another whether he's going to opt in or out. Is that does he have to decide if he's opting in or out by a certain date, like before free agency starts, or is that like something that he could like wait and listen to offers from free agency and then he could decide? No, if he's opts in, I, I don't know the exact date. It's pro- most player options are, I believe, July first. Okay. So right around free agency is when he'd have to decide. But if he opts. If he doesn't specifically opt out, he's under contract with the Nets. Therefore, it would be tampering to negotiate with him. So uh, I'm sure – I mean, tampering happens all the time in the NBA, let's be honest. Um, so I'm sure his agent is gauging value on him now. Hey, if he would opt out, would you be interested? So I'm sure they have an idea at this point. But I, I, I don't know what the official date is, unfortunately. But I know most player options are right around before free agency. 
Okay, cool. I'm going to be honest. I don't think the Nets need Patty Mills back, personally. But obviously, that's in Patty Mills' hands, not the Nets' hands. Well, yes, yeah, Seth Curry definitely makes him repetitive. And Joe Harris, hopefully, coming back healthy. Yeah, Joe Harris, I think, might be a trade chip. I don't know if you guys want to get down that can of wounds, but... Oh, we do. Yes, okay. we do. Yeah. Okay, so... If you want to go into that now, we can, for sure. Okay. What are the options with Joe Harris? So, Joe Harris... I suppose I would say he's negative value money at this point, so I don't know exactly what they could get for him. But I- I'm going to spoil my mock offseason a bit just for the Nets on what I did. What do you guys think of, like, a Joe Harris, you flip him to Milwaukee for... Oh, oh Milwaukee. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's the thing. I was like, I don't know if these teams will trade with each other. Right. But financially, you get Brooke Lopez's expiring. So you get a starting center for next year who could anchor your defense. And then he's an expiring deal. So you get off of Harris's money in 23 and 24. And then you get George Hill just to salary fill. And he could be, you know a bigger ball handler, so when you have Seth Curry or Patty Mills next to him, you're not getting even alive defensively. It's not ideal, but I think that's about the value that Harris has in the open market. Loki, I, I, I honestly, I kind of like it a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm very hesitant to put a shoe like that next to Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday, yeah. personally. That's, that's, that's the issue. Yeah, that's what I figured. Milwaukee would definitely do it, even though they're taking on the extra year of money because of how good of a fit Harris is. And then, of course, Brooke Lopez just missed almost the entire season with back surgery, so the Nets would have to get very positive medicals. But again, that's... Yeah. They'd have to reunite a Nets legend. Yeah. Bring him back. So that's the type of um, move that I have in my mock offseason where, you know, just to gauge... It's an exercise more so to gauge players' value. And that's the type of value I'd be looking for Joe Harris. What else? What do, what do they like the, the Nets trading him as? Like $18 million, is he considered a bad contract? Because like, 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 Is he like a Duncan Robinson albatross? Or is he like somewhere like a little bit less than that? Oh, he's definitely less than that. Because, I mean, the Heat lost all leverage once they stopped playing Duncan Robinson. That was the biggest issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, even I think Duncan Robinson should be 35% from three rather than 45%. I mean, teams are still going to pay for 35% shooter even though, you know, he wasn't at the same elite level he was when they signed him. But I, I, I guess I would say Harris is slightly negative, but mostly I, I think he's more so negative because of his injury that he's coming off of. Had he played at the end of the year, I, I think that it would have been more neutral than anything. But I think coming off an injury, two years left on his deal at, what is that, $38.5 million, I, I would say... You know, you see like Davis Bertans, Duncan Robinson, all these shooters got paid and now all of them are considered pretty bad contracts. So I think the Nets are pretty fortunate that Harris didn't go down that same path so far, at least. Yeah, I mean, he had the he had the bad playoff series. But other than that, I mean, regular season wise, Joe has never really struggled like that. Like Joe had what he had. How many games was it where he hit a three pointer consecutively? Like, wasn't it like. Uh, I forget. It, it, it was 70 plus. I know that for sure. But Joe doesn't really get into slumps during the regular season. It was that one playoff run. He had a slight issue. I, I still think Joe other- is a good, good fit on this Nets team, personally. As is long there, as he's healthy. Is there any other like Joe Harris trade you like have comparable to that Brook Lopez one? Just have like one more example to kind of like compare it to? Um, Let's go with Tim Hardaway Jr. on Dallas. 
I he's same thing coming off an injury, same way Harris is. Both of them missed the playoffs and the end of the regular season. The good thing about Hardaway, though, is that even though he has one more year on his contract than Harris does, his contract is descending. So next year it's 19.6, then it goes down to 17.9, then it goes down to 16.1. So even though you have him for the extra year, he keeps getting cheaper and cheaper as the years go on. So that might be something that the Nets don't treat by as well. If they want more of a guy who's more of a scorer rather than just purely a shooter. Interesting. Yeah. If you had a guess, do the Nets trade Joe Harris or don't? If I had to guess, I'm going to say no. No. Mm. I would probably leave the same way, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get equal value. I'm like, yeah, like what he's worth now is probably an all-time low the last few years because of the injury, because you haven't seen him play since like last October. I think the Nets should should not. I don't, I'm a big believer in not trading a player at his like all time low in terms of like making a deal, because if he, he can play, play lights out for a month or two, then the deadline, if you really not a fit, then you can get him for better value. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't think they should trade him, but uh, let's jump to. I think kind of like the biggest question mark in Nets industry is Bruce Brown, in my opinion. Stephen, what's he going to command in the market? Oh, that's a tough one. And I saw Bobby Marks um, from ESPN tweet not too long ago, basically trying to gauge where like Bruce Brown and Gary paid in the second, like a player like that, who's like six foot three, six foot four, but plays like a big man, defends well, like they're the same mold of player. I personally think they're going to go for around mid-level exception money. So I'd say around nine to $10 million a year which is a pretty big raise for Brown. He just signed, what was he, 4.7 this year, I believe he was? He took the qualifying offer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, 4.7. I have it in front of me now. So, I, I, again, I I think he's about mid-level money. So, that brings me to my next point of, I don't know if they're going to be able to pay, if they're going to be able to pay both Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton if they want to, you know, bring Kyrie Irving on the max back as well. And I know I just threw out three different things that we're all going to talk about individually, but it, I just can't see all three of them being back, you know, in the Nets uniform next year. And it um, seems as though Bruce, Bruce would be the odd man out because the Nets can retain Nick Claxton. Because they have it, he's restricted. restricted, so they could match whatever offer he gets. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. and Bruce Brown, because he took the qualifying offer, is is unrestricted now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. It seems like Bruce is the odd man out, which is very unfortunate because we all love Bruce Brown. <laughs> and I mean, how can you not? He does so much, but it's just the size factor that's really just killing this Nets team. Yeah, and again, he's he's a very like niche type player, so uh, it maybe I'm off because of that. Maybe he goes for seven million, and then all of a sudden that's good. Okay, well now all of a sudden we could retain him. Obviously, that would depend what Claxton goes for as well. Um, I think if you could bring them both back for a combined like fourteen, fifteen million dollars of salary, that does include the luxury tax payments. But I think that's something the Nets would consider, provided, you know, they're, they're serious about keeping this core together and building for a championship, which 
I know that article came out a few weeks ago about KD not talking to the organization since the playoffs and not being happy with the whole Kyrie thing. I know you guys have talked about that. But if they want to keep it together, that's the range of money I'd be looking to retain both of them, if possible. Do you think Bruce Brown's market is going to be as rich as he thinks it's going to be? I don't. And I, I think that's because of the niche that he is. That, like, he's he's a very weird player, I guess is what I would say. Like, as we just talked about, he's a 6'4 big man, essentially. Yeah. So it's so it's like some teams aren't going to be interested in that type of guy. And quite frankly, there's a lot of teams over the tax. So figure he goes for more than the tax payroll mid-level. So that leaves you with the four or five cap space teams who all aren't competing. So maybe, sure, he wants to go there for playing time or for money, whatever it may be. But if he wants to go to a contender, he's going to have to take the mid-level somewhere. And only, you know, X amount of teams are going to have that to offer. I can see him going for a payday, though, just because, like, he's never really had that payday. And maybe he's on the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think I think they had um I think I believe like probably like a month and a half ago at this point, we were talking about Bruce Brown's market. And we said just because he like he only fills certain holes, not like only, but like he does everything that he can for his size. And it's just like, yes, he's an improved shooter. I don't know if that's enough to get him like a legitimate payday on teams that are still trying to contend and are strapped for money. So like it's either, I think Bruce has to maybe take a pay cut to be on a contending team, or he's going to go chase a bag and be on a team that stinks. And honestly, I think teams that could give him a bag, meaning like cap space teams, I I think they had bigger plans in mind than Bruce Brown. So it wouldn't shock me if, you know, he's an afterthought and he kind of got squeezed. He ends up getting squeezed like he did last year where he had to take the qualifying offer. That really wouldn't shock. I think a lot of guys are going to get squeezed this year because everyone's going to be going after DeAndre Aiden. Um, I know teams like Detroit are going to want to go after like Colin Sexton who have cap space. Um, teams like that where they're going to have, you know, bigger fish to fry. And as a result, again, no offense to Bruce Brown. He's a fine player. But uh-huh. because of that, I could definitely see him, you know, getting squeezed a little bit and not having as fruitful of a market as he anticipates. Yeah, I can see that too. I'm, I, I have the same sentiment that I think he's like a guy you'd think would get more, but in reality, it's just like the, this lack of size, lack of season shooting, and like the weird niche he has is just going to hurt him. And teams that are good aren't going to want to pay that. And teams that are bad are not really trying to build around him. So he kind of just falls in between the cracks. Yeah, look what happened with him last year. I mean, there's a reason he's playing on the qualifying offer rather than a long-term deal. Yep. Yep. You want to jump into Nick Claxton now, Cody? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you guys said about Bruce Brown. I think the biggest kind of proof, was, like you guys said, was last year. I don't think he really grew that much as a player. Maybe his jump shot got a little bit better. We saw it in the second half of the year, but he's not going to get any bigger. So, like you guys said. I don't see him getting paid. I also don't know if the Nets will bring him back. I think he's a tricky situation. But uh, let's jump into Nick Claxton. Okay. So Nick Claxton is, again, he's restricted, so the Nets could match whatever offer he gets. And similar to Bruce Brown, I mean, I just value Bruce Brown at about mid-level money. I think Claxton is around the same age, maybe a little more. But again, the issue is, there's only so many cap space teams, unless like a Detroit wants to take a stab at him or somebody like that, then he's going to have to settle for the mid-level be just because, you know, teams don't have that kind of money. 
Isn't so, the max for a pick like him, who was like a second rounder off on the rookie deal, isn't the max like four for 39 for him? Um, I believe to extend him, it would be. Oh, that would have been, that was the extension. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. So, but again, I, I four for 39, I think is around an appropriate range. I'm thinking maybe four for 41. So we're right there. Yeah, um, that makes we'll sense. But I, I think the biggest issue is, you know, they have Dayron Sharp is the only sender under contract next year. Obviously, they like him. I believe they traded up to get him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, they traded Landry Shamit for yeah, him. Yeah, yep, that's what it was. So, clearly, they like Dayron Sharp, but is Nick Claxton your son of the future? If not, you're not going to match an offer for him. That's really what it's going to come down to. Mm, okay. So, I mean, you're not going to pay. The way the NBA's been, you know, um, the way the evolution of the NBA has been yeah. recently is wings are the ones getting paid. You can't have you can't have enough enough wing depth. But, like, you see a guy like Kevon Looney playing great in the playoffs, and the Suns are watching and say, why should we pay DeAndre Aiden $31 million next year when $6 million Kevon Looney is not as good, but he's not going to be the same, the Putting playoffs. up similar production. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the replacement level aspect of, okay, $6 million guy versus $31 million guys. I'd rather have him for $6 million as opposed to this guy. So yeah, and I, use, I, I, and I use that other not, money elsewhere, yeah. Yeah, Just make so, the team more deep. So I, I say that because are you really going to pay Claxton that kind of money, the $10 million a year, to be a backup center? You're not. Ideally, yeah. you don't even want to pay him that to be a starting center. You hope you could, you could get him for 7 to $8 million range. But you, you see oftentimes restricted free agents get overpaid because they hope that the team who has a right stone match. So I, I do think the best scenario for the Nets is to maybe do like a sign and trade if Claxton goes elsewhere. And I was about to ask that. Value, yeah. <laughs> because they have his restricted rights, they do have the leverage that they could do some kind of sign and trade. But then you have a big hole in the middle at the center position. Now, what are teams that would want to look into signing a young center like Nick Claxton that would want to work with us in a sign and trade? I think Charlotte definitely would. I he think, was electric with LaMelo. Yeah, I, I think, I believe Toronto had interest in Claxton at the deadline. They did. If I'm not mistaken. Toronto, mm-hmm. I have Toronto's sites a little bit bigger. I think Toronto is going to go after like a Mo Bamba type. But let's say, you know, Orlando does take Jabari Smith and wants to bring Mo Bamba back, then I think Claxton's a great plan B for them. Um, mm. So th- those are just two teams off the top of my head that it definitely makes sense. Maybe like even a Dallas would try to get involved somehow. They love adding lob threats over there. Yeah. That's sure. yeah, Dallas, again, I think they have those sites set bigger on like a Rudy Gobert type. But just those center needy teams, maybe even Detroit, if they strike out on like a Mitch Robinson or DeAndre Aiden, maybe they want to add in Nick Claxton to pair him with Isaiah Stewart. So, I, I mean, Detroit has cast space, but again, it could end up being a signing trade because the Nets are going to say, okay, we're going to match this offer unless you give us some kind of compensation. That's what happened when Malcolm Brogdon went to the Pacers a few years ago. They had the cast base signed Brogdon outright, but the Bucs said, well, we're going to match unless you give us, you know, two second on picks, whatever it was. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so, who's next? Andre, Andre Drummond? Yeah, let's stick with the centers. Let's jump right into Drummond. Yeah. Okay, so Drummond, I don't foresee him, you know, resigning with the Nets. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I do think he played his way out of a minimum contract. Like he, 
he ended up taking a minimum and signing with the Sixers because if he showed when he was on the Lakers how bad he is in the playoffs. <clears throat> Luckily for Drummond, he only got to play four playoff games this year. That's so, true. So even though the Lakers, I think, I think the Lakers lost the Suns in five or six or whatever it was um, last year, um, you know, Drummond really didn't get exposed this year in the playoffs. So that recency bias isn't there. I, I do believe. I don't think Drummond's going to get anywhere close to like Warden Nick Claxton would, just especially because of age. But I, I do think Drummond will get like four or five million dollar range. So then the Nets have to ask themselves because they don't have his bird rights because he signed a one year deal. So, the, so the Nets would have to use the taxpayer mid level to retain him. And I'm not a big advocate for using the taxpayer mid level or the mid level on the big man. Mm. So. I, I, for those reasons, I, I don't think, you know, Drummond's going to be back. Yeah, I think a lot of Nets fans have kind of come to the realization that it's very unlikely that Drummond is back. Um, and like you said, he definitely – he didn't have enough time to get exposed in the playoffs, but we also didn't play him in, like, the last two games of that series, right? Didn't he only play, like, five minutes of one of the games? Yeah, he got benched. And, and then we went with Nick Claxton for the majority of the game, who proceeded to miss, like, 11 free throws. Yeah. <laughs> so – so, yeah, I mean, both of our centers kind of had it rough in the playoffs. So, hopefully we could upgrade that spot. Steven, I just have a quick question. It kind of relates to Claxton and Drummond. Do you see the Nets ultimately bringing back Claxton just because there's not a lot of other options at center? And like you said, all they have is Dayron? Um, I, I do see them. If not Claxton, then maybe like a Mitch Robinson type from the Knicks, like – that caliber of center, like they're not going to go out and trade for Rudy Gobert. So I, I, I obviously, you know, given that they have Claxton's restricted rights and his bird rights, I'm going to say, sure, they're going to bring Claxton back just because that's an easy scenario. But yeah. again, if they don't think Claxton is a starting caliber center for them and he's not the center of the future, then, you know, it, it's not, there's no, you shouldn't pay him to be a backup. Gotcha. I think all we have left for Mets players before we go on to like outside players that are entering free agency, I think it's just Kyrie Irving. Well, I mean, let's quickly just touch on the Marcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. I, I uh, really don't have much to okay. say about them. And Goron, too. And right? Goron Dragic, yes. Um, Dragic, I actually think out of those three, has the best possibility to be back. Um, that's mostly because his relationship with Steve Nash. Um, so, uh, honestly... I don't have much to say about any of the three guys. I think all of them are about with the minimum, which is what they got for the Nets this year. Dragic was obviously after a buyout that he took the minimum. But I, I, I don't see it. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, excuse me. I don't see Aldridge or Blake being back with the Nets next year. I think that, you know, that experiment didn't work and clearly they need to go in a different direction with their big men. You think Blake is going for a Clipper reunion? Hmm. Now, it's funny because in my mock offseason, I actually had the Clippers going after Andre Drummond as the backup center. 
to Zubach. So I, I have another next center, but I, I mean, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Um, I, I think Blake could go to like a Miami where they don't really have a solidified backup center and Blake allows them to play smaller like they do with Bam on the courts. So yeah, a team like that, I def, I thought about maybe the possibility of him going to Phoenix with the Chris Paul reunion, but I, I don't know that relationship between Chris Paul and Blake well enough to know if, you know, Chris Paul would welcome Blake on his team. Yeah, I agree. I think that Aldridge and Griffin are definitely gone. Um, I think Drogic is interesting, especially since he was coached by Igor at one point. Um, I liked Drogic. I know he's getting up there in age, but in a limited role, I think he's still very productive. So that'll be interesting to see. But let's jump into the biggest fish in the sea, Kyrie Irving. Um, what's your thoughts on it, Steven? My thoughts are that there's no conceivable way you could give him the max contract that he's eligible for. I mean, the Nets have two options regarding a max with him. They could either do four for 190, which is an albatross, or they could do five for 245, which is even bigger. And there's just no way with, again, I I don't want to say the stunt that he pulled this year, because again, he's standing up for the people that don't have a voice. I'm not going to get into that. But just with everything that's transpired with his Nets tenure between injuries and, you know, I believe he sat out some COVID time due to personal reasons. And again, that, that's the type of guy he is. That's fine. But if he's not going to be available for at least, you know, 65, 70 games a year, then you can't pay him that kind of money. And that's just the reality of it. So my question is to you, is there clauses they can do to like, Let's say offer him that max. We all know if Kyrie Irving is playing a full 82-game season or close to it. He's worth the max. Can they put clauses like games missed to like non-injury reasons? So if he doesn't hit that threshold, like he does he loses money off of like contract language. Is that a thing? Is that a possibility? What I think is how it would work is uh, again, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm still, you know, learning every day. But what, what it reminds me of is like what the Sixers did when they extended Joel Embiid off his rookie deal after he missed his first two years and then played, I think, in only like 31 games, his true rookie year, which would have been its third year in the league. Um, with that contract, basically what they did was, okay, if you play at least 60 games a year, your contract for the next year for your max is fully guaranteed. Mm. So... I don't believe they could take money away from him that year unless it was like a scenario like this year where he's just plainly sitting out games, not due to injury. Then I believe they could just nip it from his paycheck. But I don't believe that during the year you can take away his money. So like it would have to be something like the first year is fully guaranteed, provided he plays 55 to 60 games. It be, or let's, let's just say 57 is with the difference. He plays 57 games, 2024 is guaranteed. If he plays 57 games the next year, then it's non-guaranteed or it's partially guaranteed at, you know, $20 million rather than the full, whatever it would be, whatever they would want to give him. So I, I think that's how it would work, that it would go towards the next year. And then the Nets would have the option. So, you know, God forbid Kyrie misses 30 games in a row with a hamstring injury, knock on wood, but he still plays the other 50 games, works hard, shows up at practice and all. The Nets could say, yeah, we'll guarantee you. It, it would be, the ball would be in their courts to decide whether to guarantee it or not. Is that so, what Kyrie Irving would go for, though, you think? 
honestly, I think the Nets might have the leverage. Because if Kyrie says, I'm not signing here, where else is he going to go? I don't think. Would you say, are they going to max him? Would would a team, like not the name of the Nets, offer Kyrie Irving a max contract? Like, do you think they would? I think they would, but given who has cap space this summer, he's not going to want to go to a Detroit. I can't envision him wanting to go to San Antonio. I mean, Memphis could probably get there, but Memphis, I don't think, is going to want to deal with the headache. Memphis is a very small, well-ran organization. They're up and coming. I don't think they're going to want the locker room distraction that they perceive could come with Kyrie. So I definitely think there's money for him to be had, but is it going to be a team that he wants to go to? I don't think there's many better situations for him than Brooklyn. I just want to say something real quick. Steven, isn't this kind of similar to the James Harden situation with Philly? If the Nets lose Kyrie Irving, they can't replace him, correct? Correct. So, I mean, Kyrie Irving has some leverage as well, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, if Kyrie opts out, I believe they're, like, right at the salary cap. So they'd have no cap space, but they wouldn't be in the luxury tax. So, sure, that would open up, you know, the full mid-level exception. It would open up the biannual exception. But that's $10 million and $3 million, respectively. That's not going to, you know, that's not franchise-altering. It wouldn't open up a max spot or anything. So yeah. in that aspect, yes. Kyrie has a player option, same way Harden does. Both of them could kind of, you know, they both don't really have anywhere else to go in the situation they're both in is ideal for them. But at the same time, like, the team can't replace them either unless it would be a sign-in trade. Do you, wait, my next question would be, do you think if a Kyrie Irving leaves that Kevin Durant wants out? Yes. Jeez. Well, fuck. Kyrie's coming back. So that gives Kyrie more leverage is what I'm saying. Because Kevin Durant's probably vouching for him, I would think, right? Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving is my perception of it. Um, I don't think what I ultimately think ends up happening is Kyrie's not going to get four for nine. Forget the five for 245. There's no way the Nets going to give that to him. There's zero chance. Um, But the four for 190... I don't think it gets there, but could I envision a three for, I don't know, something way less drastic, like a three for 110? I, I, I could foresee that. You know, Kyrie's getting $35 million a year. And then, you know, both sides relatively happy because, you know, that's, that's saving the net significant money against the tax compared to the four for 190 he's eligible for. And Kyrie, it's like, sure. We're going to keep you with KD, but we're not paying you the full max because of your injury history, because of your antics for multiple reasons. So that's what I ultimately think ends up happening. Interesting. I saw some Laker rumors today. I was like, what assets do the Lakers have? Like, what? that doesn't even make any sense to me. Well, well, yeah. So the Lakers, the first one I would say is you could do Anthony Davis for Kyrie. I can't imagine the Lakers wanting to do this. Um, I can't imagine the Nets wanting to do that either. So then the next scenario is, you know, who else would salary match? Russell Westbrook. So <laughs> would Westbrook plus a 27 first, a 29 first be enough? No. Oh. Well, Not even close. <laughs> yeah. But the one good thing is that, you know, again, I'm not advocating for Russell Westbrook. Obviously, it's a negative value contract at this point, but he isn't expiring. So you deal with him for a year, then 
you know, you get off the money off the books, but then it goes back to the previous conversation we just had that sure Westbrook walks, you get the money off the books, but it's not like you could replace him with somebody else because it's yeah, not like right at the salary cap. Yeah, exactly. Plus you have the Durant Westbrook dynamic. Yeah. So that that's, yeah, I, I, I don't buy much into the whole Lakers thing. What I would be fascinating with though, is if, I don't know, let's say Zach Levine. I was just about to ask that too. Let's say he goes, okay, I want to play in Brooklyn. That's, I mean, for Chicago, that's a pretty even swap. You know, it double signed. Kyrie would have to agree to go there unless he opts into his player option. And then even so, the Bulls might not want to even do the signing trade if they're only going to get one year out of Kyrie. But if Kyrie says, okay, clearly the Nets is not going to work out, the Bulls are going to give me the max that they're able to give me. That would be something I think both sides would entertain. Hmm. How about do let's? I, I, this is a, a crazy, crazy, crazy scenario. Okay. Let's say Portland strikes out on everyone. They don't get Zach Levine. They don't get Jeremy Grant. They don't get Rand. They don't get all any stars. And they, Dame's like, I right, you. We try to get something. We can't do it. Would Portland just take Kyrie Irving as an asset, or would you think they just like would go to quick, quick rebuild? If Dame's like, we tried everything, nothing works. I think Portland's definitely going to get somebody. Um, yeah. But the, the question is, is Kyrie going to want to go there? I mean, he's living in Brooklyn, New York right now, playing with one of his close friends in KD. Um, I, I don't want to say the West is clearly better than the East because this year the East was better. But assuming when Kawhi's back, the Clippers are healthy, Denver's healthy, the West is going to be tougher. So Kyrie's going to make it more difficult on himself, you know, to win another ring. So all that combines, maybe sure, Pull then could open up the cap space to sign Kyrie to the max or able to sign him for. But again, Kyrie would have to go there. And I, I don't see Kyrie wanting to play anywhere but Brooklyn. But then the issue is, okay, is Brooklyn willing to, you know, do they feel the same way? Interesting. Yeah, I think the Kyrie things be very fascinating because, like, any scenario here, there's no like easy scenario. Like you mentioned before, Claxton's easy scenario is the Nets match because he's a restricted free agent, and the Nets really don't have better options. Like that makes sense. There's no like easy scenario here. Like, yeah, you could just say he's back, but like, at what value is what I find fascinating, and what many years and like all that stuff. Yeah, and that's why I say about that three four. Whatever I said, three for one fifteen, three for one ten, around there, where you know you're kind of splitting the difference between a max and you know keeping Kyrie happy. And again, a team like Portland, let's say he says, okay, fine, Dame, I'll team up with you, I'll go to Portland. That would require for Portland to open the cap space. They'd have to let, they'd have to renounce Anthony Simons' bird rights. They'd have to renounce um, Nurchik. They'd have to non-guarantee Josh Hart. They would dismantle the team for Damon Kyrie, and then Kyrie's going to look around and say, there's nobody else here aside for me and Dan. Why do I want to be here? So, mm-hmm. that, so again, that's more to show. I think the Kyrie and Nets match is going to continue just because there's not really any feasible other... I mean, maybe if he goes to, like, San Antonio or something, and they have a wink-wink deal, okay, we'll trade you at the deadline to a contender... San Antonio might do that just to get the assets for him. Like, that's where I would see Kyrie ending up on the Lakers, where they would say, okay, we'll sign Kyrie, flip him to the Lakers for Westbrook, and those two first. We don't care, we're not competing anyway. Let Westbrook expire, then we let him walk. 
then we have that cap space because, you know, they're not way over luxury tax. So they actually would turn that into cap space and they acquire two potentially good first round picks, depending what happens to Lakers by 2027 and 2029. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, for all those reasons, that's why I think Kyrie ultimately is going to end up being back. Okay, I so out, I want to go out and say real quick, I think there is a 100% chance Kyrie Irving is back. 100%. I don't know right. what value, what contract, but it would just be the biggest botch in Nets history if they lose Kyrie Irving, in my opinion. I think they fire Sean Marks before they let Kyrie Irving walk. Mm. Yeah, probably. I so, think I might agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. So if, if we go into if we go under the assumption that Nick Claxton and Kyrie Irving are back, do the Nets are the Nets even appealing anymore to all these guys that are trying to bring Chase? Because that will potentially be signing places for minimums. Because when you look at the last two years, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, Goran Dragic, uh, who else came here on like Paul Millsap? All these guys like that, they decided to come to Brooklyn to ring chase and try to play somewhat of a role. I know they all knew they were going to have diminished roles, but they came here thinking that they were going to be able to help contribute in small roles. And four out of those, three out of those four guys were benched. So what do you, what do you think, Stephen? And who are some guys that you may may like are envisioning that might sign with Brooklyn on minimums with like the no salary cap that they're going to have? Yeah, so that's where the taxpayer mid-level comes in because the, the taxpayer mid-level is very difficult to use because you can't really split it up into two players. Let's say you give one player 4.1 mil, then you have 2 million for another player, which is basically the minimum. So it's like you got to use one $6.1 million guy that you value like they did with Patty Mills last year, and that's your big acquisition. Now, the good thing with the Nets is that they have a traded player exception which, let's see, that expires by the trade deadline. It's from the Harden deal. For They have a few. They have an $11.3 million trade exception, and they have a $6.2 million trade exception that expires in August. That was so, from the Dinwiddie, right? The other one? What is that? One of them is from the Dinwiddie trade, correct? Or did that one already expire? The Dinwiddie wants $3.2 million. That okay. expires from Dinwiddie when you traded in a Washington in the signing trade. Yep. Yeah, so that's $3.3 million. That expires August 6th. So uh, they have three, not modest, they have one pretty large trade exception, a decent-sized one, and then that $3.3 million one to work with. I, I think that's their best avenue for acquiring, you know, somebody that could make a, not a significant impact, but I'm saying compared to what you'd be able to work with with just a taxpayer mid-level. Huh. I want to throw out a, I want to throw out a name, someone that I really like and I want to Brooklyn is Chris Boucher. What are your thoughts on like what he's going to command if the Nets could get him? Let me see, Boucher. I actually have projected for, I believe three for twenty one ish. So he's right over that tax. I have him okay two for fourteen and a half. So starting at seven million. So I, I think he starts for about that. Chris Boucher is actually sneaky old. He's going to be 30 years old already because he didn't graduate. Did. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah he didn't graduate yeah. from Oregon until he was 25. So he came in the NBA as a late bloomer. He's already 30 years old. So for that reason, that's why I think he gets like six and a half, seven million dollars to start. 
The Nets, as I said, they had the $6.1 million tax buy limit level. And again, guys could always sign and trade. So, I mean, you would have to salary match at that point. Like, let's say you're over Patty Mills at this point, given you have Seth Curry and you have Joe Harris coming back. Chris Boucher wants to go there. You say, okay, we'll give you Patty Mills and, I don't know, a second-round pick to get Chris Boucher. And then, you know, Patty Mills and the second go to Toronto. I don't even know if you need a second. I think Boucher for Patty Mills might be a trade that works for both teams. But something like that, yeah, I could definitely envision um, like that caliber of player. Even if you want to take a slight discount, I know you guys just asked me if guys actually want to play there at a discount to ring chase. But I mean, it's still Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So guys are going to want to go there just, just for that reason. And it's the market of, oh, living in New York City, or now that New York City, but Brooklyn, living in New York. Um, it, it's going to appeal to some guys. So I, I do see, you know, maybe a guy like Boucher definitely being attainable one way or another. What about Otto Porter? Otto Porter I have going exactly for the tax mid level. Um, he did take a minimum this year to play for the Golden States to try to get his ring, which looks like, you know, he's going to get what he wants or he might get what he wants. He's pretty damn close. He's three games away. But yeah, I, I have him exactly in my mock offseason, not with the Nets, but with another team going for exactly the tax payment level. The guy I have the Nets signing at the tax payment level is Nicholas Batum. I like that. So I, I have him. Let's see. I signed him for to the Nets for a one-year deal with the second-year team option. Just, you know, the team option because of his age. If he looks significantly older this year, you cut bait with him after the year and let him go. But... Uh, that, that's the type of guy I envision. And I actually like that Batum fit a lot for the Nets. Can you see like a, a PJ Tucker? Well, PJ Tucker is similar in the range of Patty Mills, where he has a player option where we don't really know what he's going to do with it. And his player option is 7.4 million. So I can't imagine him opting out of 7.4 to take 6.1 with the Nets. Yeah. When he, yeah. So again, similar style player, but not a perfect fit. If we're talking about that exact player. Right. One person that was given to me on Twitter, we just want to go through is Jalen Smith. Okay. Jalen Smith is actually intriguing because Jalen Smith basically had no market at the trade deadline because of the fact that whoever traded for him, because the Suns are kind of rookie option the team who traded for him could only pay him 105% of what he was making last year, which I think was $4.5 million. So, who, so whoever traded for him, the Pacers could only re-sign him for $4.7 million. Unless, you know, they renounce his rights and sign him with, you know, um, the mid-level exception money. But that opens up the door for any other team. Hey, we know your team could only offer you exactly this amount. You know, we'll give you $5.2 million. So yeah, that's definitely a guy that could be had. I mean, I'm thinking of a guy like Jalen Smith. I'm thinking of a guy like Derek Jones Jr. from Chicago, I think is definitely attainable. Um, Delone Wright. Guys like, yeah. Um, Cody and Caleb Martin, one of the Martin twins. I think they go for around that tax pyramid level. Um, Damian Lee won't cost the whole tax pyramid level, but, you know, that's a former teammate of KD. That's another, you know, potential guy I see. 
Do you think at a minimum Carmelo Anthony comes to the Nets? I think it's possible. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's definitely not going to be more than a minimum. So it's just a matter of, does he want to play with his buddy LeBron again? Does he want to go to Phoenix to play with Chris Paul? Or does he want to go to Brooklyn and, you know, go play with all them? So, but yeah, definitely a guy like that is definitely attainable in the minimum. Interesting. I, uh, I had one more question, actually, if you guys don't mind. Of course. Uh, Steven, do you think there's any chance the Nets trade Ben Simmons? Absolutely. I My think. question is, though, who's going to want him? I know the speculation about, like, Atlanta wanting him. Um, I just... <sighs> Would Phoenix swap him for DeAndre Ayton? Ooh. Ooh. That's interesting, Anthony. Yeah, it is. I feel like... Because I would, I would think the money that Ayton would be getting is less than Ben, right? Because Ben signed a max... And I don't know if DeAndre Ayton is going to end up with a full max. If, I, mean, I would assume DeAndre Ayton, if he would agree to a, some sort of sign and trade, he would definitely consider Brooklyn as one of the options. Yeah. He would, he would thrive here. Yeah, that's a good one. I think the Nets would definitely do it just because, you know, the unknown of Ben Simmons, you don't have to deal with, you know, that combined with Kyrie Irving anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure Phoenix does it because Phoenix, I. I personally think DeAndre Aiden is going to end up in like an Indiana for like a Miles Turner and a Chris Duarte or something like that. They would be disgusting in Phoenix. Yeah. So I, I feel like Phoenix might rather go that route than having to wonder about when Ben Simmons is going to play again. Let's say they get the medicals cleared, the, the, the mentals cleared. Ben Simmons wants like, like he says he's dude, for, like we'll do it. Like, like what do you like? Do you think Phoenix would do it just for value, just player for player? I think Ben Simmons is a more valuable player than DeAndre Aiden, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Because my, my thing is Ben Simmons, although there's the lack of shooting and sometimes the lack of offensive production, he's still coast-to-coast, top three fastest players in the league, assuming his back checks out. He's has insane vision for his heights, where, I mean, he's one of the best passers in the league because of that. He just – he he – I could see scenarios where each guy gets played off the floor in the playoffs, but Ben has some elite skills. Well, as for Aiden, I don't think Aiden has any one elite skill in the NBA. I feel like Aiden would like answer all the Nets center problems. That'd be like a perfect fit for the Nets. Like you think about like a starting five of Kyrie, Katie, Joe Harris, DeAndre Aiden, and like, I don't know, like a, like a Seth Curry or something. Like that's a pretty formidable five. Well, Let's say the biggest issue with the Nets is that they traded all the picks for Harden. So they do have the Sixers 2023 to trade, or they could trade the less favorable they're in Houston next year. But other than that, let's say they trade one of those 2023s and the Sixers 2027 and, you know, 2028. They still have three first-round picks to trade. Would you trade all three of them combined with like Joe Harris and Nick Claxton and sign and trade to get Aiden? I-, I think you'd have to. Yeah, I think I would. Do you think they use Cam Thomas as like a pick, to, as like a kind of like a as a draft pick asset, like to a team that may want to like take him on? I, I don't know because he's due for a rookie extension, so I think they'd want to keep him. But assuming they get back like a. Uh, 
2020, let's just say my initial offer I just said of Miles Turner and Duarte. That's taking back $23 million in salary, which is an upgrade from Aiden's rookie deal. They're looking at the tax. Are they really going to want to extend Cam, Cam Johnson when they're already a tax team? So to answer your question, I think it depends how they value him. I do think they will extend him, but it, I think it would have to be a pretty good pick with very light protections in order to give up Cam Johnson. No, I did, I, didn't you say Cam Thomas? I did say that, but I, that's okay. All. Sorry, I was thinking Phoenix. Okay, Cam Thomas. Um, same thing as Cam. I mean, the good thing is that he's three years three years on his deal, so a team would want to you know trade for him. I, I do think if you'd rather you know give up him than a future first, then go for it. But I just. I don't know how much value he has because I, I like Cam Thomas. I had him pretty high on my big board, but I don't know. He, he didn't play a whole lot this year. He can only score. He can't really do much else on offense. Can't do anything on defense, at least from what he's shown. Um, so I really think a team would value the unknown of a first round pick rather than, because what? I think 23 teams passed on him in the draft last year. Yeah. So... That makes me, that makes me, that leads me to believe that, you know, there's not going to be a whole huge market pounding down the next door to get him. I mean, sure, he could be a throw into one, make salaries work, and two, as a sweetener. But, you know, I, I think the Nets would value him more than most other teams in the league would. Yeah, I'd probably think the same thing. So, yeah, um, I, I know I just talked about free agents, but. I have a very small list of players that I think the Nets could attain from the traded player exceptions I talked about. So if you guys want me to rattle off a few names, I can. Yeah, it's uh, Please do. Okay. So I have Mason Plumley. That's have, legend. Yeah, I have a lot of Nets centers going back home where they belong. Um, nice. I had Jetty Osman. He's interesting. I have Dwight Powell, Corey Ooh. Joseph, TJ McConnell, Kendrick Nunn, DeAnthony Melton. So that's the type of guy. I think DeAnthony Melton would be a home run, by the way. Yeah, DeAnthony um, Melton and TJ McConnell, I would like either one. Yeah. So, I mean, I think TJ McConnell's the easier one to have. When I had um, Lance Roberson on Bird Rights, he's a writer for sports. He's a mad writer for Sports Illustrated. I said, look, if... They have a trade exception big enough to take T.J. McConnell along as well. If Jalen Johnson walks, that's a great replacement for him, you know, given the circumstance. So I, I could see the Nets doing a similar thing. Well, sure, we don't have the cap space or we don't have the taxpayer level large enough to be able to sign a guy like that. But we have the trade exception where, you know, T.J. McConnell fits into that. So, you know, high-level backup point guard, I, that's the type of player and the type of move I see the Nets making, you know, that move around the margins with that trade player exception that they wouldn't be able to, you know, get otherwise. Melton or McConnell would be ecstatic. That's well, yeah, sure. Melton, I think, is the dream scenario. But that's really only in the scenario where I think Memphis needs to move him to get to the max cap space. Because Memphis is at like 25 million cap space. But let's say like a Bradley Beal or Zach Levine said, I want to play here then sure, give up Melton in order to get one of those big fish in there. Yeah. Huh. 
I think I, I think I asked all the questions I got. You guys got anything else? I got everything too. Oh, Steven, I have a quick question. You can say no. Feel free. Um, would you be able to drop your Nets projected roster after free agency, or you want to save it for your own thing? I could um, send it to you guys right now if one of you want to post it. Oh. Or, or even if you want to, you want to just Let say it see. on here. I, I literally have 18 open roster spots left. I'm probably going to be done completely by tomorrow. Okay. But the article's coming out sometime next week. But, I mean, I'm trying to promote it. I'm trying to get my name out there. Um, I actually just also did my mock my NBA mock draft for subscribers of Sports Ethos. So that's um, already up on the site if you want to see those 30 picks. But yeah, I mean, I have the full 15-man roster completed. So maybe I'll make a tweak here or there. So you guys tell me. I'm fine posting it now. I'm fine if you guys want me to be completely done so I'm done tweaking everything. I could send it to you sometime tomorrow. That's fine. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> we can talk after here. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Definitely want to get a look at that. All right. You, you guys got anything else, or are we good? We had everything. We got everything. Steven, make sure to go plug all your stuff. Where could everybody find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at Pod. You can listen to me wherever you listen to this podcast, wherever you listen to any of your podcasts, at um, the Birdrights Podcast. Again, Sports Ethos Production. As I said, I am coming out with my mock offseason I was going to do a six-part article. I think it's going to be more along the lines of a three-part article just because, you know, I was going to do it by division. I think I'm going to do every two divisions now just because I don't think it's going to be as long as I anticipated. And go check out my mock draft on Sports Ethos as well for subscribers. You could get the first five picks for free. Anything after that, you got to subscribe. I promise you it'll be worth your money. And, yeah, you could um, see my episode tomorrow where we're going to be doing more draft talk. And... Yeah, it's the busiest time of year for me. It's the off-season, free agent signings, trades. It's the best time of year for me. So definitely check out my work. And, yeah, thank you guys for having me on again. Oh, thank you, dude. Thank you, This is really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So once again, this was the Sportitos Nets podcast with Anthony, Joe, and Cody. And we had Steven on from the Birds Rights pod. We went through a bunch of free agency. Uh, targets, kind of Nets players, players like a target outside of the organization. If you guys have anyone else you want to talk about, please tweet at us. And once again, thank you for listening. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.